Cooperative purchasing is not just for procurement. So if you're listening to this and you're from facilities maintenance or public works or student services or you're part of the faculty and you do any kind of purchasing, then you need to learn about cooperative purchasing because it truly is a tool that you need to take advantage of. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cooperatively Speaking, an E&I podcast. I'm your host, David Mans, And today, I've got my good friend, Tammy Rhines, the Executive Director for National Cooperative Procurement Partners. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, David, for the invitation. I'm excited to do this. Uh, we both have been a part of cooperative purchasing, government purchasing for many, many years. And there's a lot of questions and thoughts about how they work, who they work for, And to be honest with you, we have a lot of listeners here that not only are in procurement, but also in what we call end user type roles. They might be in facilities or IT, and they might not know exactly what cooperative purchasing does. It's just what the procurement people do. So I'm I'm excited to jump in to the conversation. Tammy, I'd like to learn a little bit more about you first as we get going. Tell me a little bit about you and National Cooperative Procurement Partners. Great. Thank you. Well, I'm Tammy Rhymes, the Executive Director for National Cooperative Procurement Partners, which is also known as NCPP. And it's North America's premier association for cooperative procurement. And what's unique is that we serve Canada and the United States through a 360 membership. We have cooperative organizations strategic suppliers who have cooperative contracts, and most importantly, that group, public procurement, government employees, and higher education folks who are part of our membership. We do a lot in education on both sides of the procurement table for suppliers who are trying to sell to higher ed, educational institutions, and government, as well as those folks who work in the jobs. And I'm glad you brought up facilities and those in-customer departments, because while procurement often gets trained in cooperative procurement, many of those user departments do a lot of purchasing as well, and this is an important contracting tool for them. And just as a side, before coming to NCPP, I was the former purchasing agent for the city of San Diego, the ninth largest city in the nation and was a 26-year government manager. So I will always have that government hat firmly planted on my head. That's awesome. You've got a very long career sitting in multiple seats. So I I think that is really real credible because you get to see what it looks like looking into the same building from so many different windows. You get a more full picture of how all of it works. Really, I want to go next is, you know, Briefly explain sort of what a cooperative is. I know a lot of people know, but just in case if somebody's listening, we we talk about it. And then let's talk a little bit about what the benefits are. Let's kind of get right into why would somebody even use cooperative purchasing? The concept is fairly simple. The idea is that an entity, either a cooperative organization or another government, has gone through that long, cumbersome solicitation process, ending in an awarded contract that others can use. Frankly, you can piggyback upon that contract and take advantage of the same value-added services and pricing. So in government and higher ed and K through 12, we often can use each other's contracts. That's where cooperative purchasing comes into play. Now, for me, there's four big reasons why you would want to use a cooperative contract. The number one complaint about government procurement is we are too darn slow. And that's because that solicitation process can take weeks and months to complete. Well, if somebody's already done it for you, 
you merely already have the contract and within days can piggyback and start obtaining those goods or services. So speed and saving time is number one. Second, probably more advantageous pricing, because just think of it this way, all of those entities using that one contracting drives down pricing for all. It's the same reason in our personal lives that we shop at big box stores or places like Costco or Sam's Club. We want that warehouse discounted pricing. So now governments can do it as well. The third reason to me is standardization, or let's say you have a department come forward, maybe your grounds maintenance, and they want to standardize on one particular mower, or you have your fleet manager who wants to standardize on one type of fleet vehicle because that's what the mechanics have been trained on. Well, it's very difficult for me to put an RFP out on the street and say only this company can apply because that goes against open competition. However, I can approach that company and say, do you have a cooperative contract that I can piggyback on? That way I make my customer department happy and able to standardize and I can buy directly from that chosen supplier. And then the fourth reason, and this came up in a big way during the pandemic, emergencies and gap fillers. So let's say when the pandemic hit, suddenly you were charged with getting all these cleaning products, safety products, PPE masks. Well, you didn't have time to go out for the traditional bid. So many people looked at other contracts, including cooperatives, to quickly garner those supplies. So those to me are the four big reasons why you would want to go the cooperative route. I agree completely. One of the questions that I would get often, and it's typically end users, non-procurement people, people in facilities would be, you know, well, this is elevator maintenance and we want to make sure that we put it out to bid because there's security risks. And I know when we look at using cooperative purchasing, there's such a lengthy process that cities, counties, and specifically schools with our audience go through in order to use our contracts. And that really multiplies. So say you've got 500 schools using one agreement. That means that they've vetted that contract 500 different times at different places. So to think that you could put something out that was more secure or better yourself, is it possible? It's possible, but it's kind of unlikely because you have so many other eyes working together to cooperate in developing a really world-class contract. That's a great point to make. And I would say that cooperative contracts, because so many different agencies are using them, are probably the most vetted, most reviewed contracts of any that are out there in the public workplace. So using those contracts, what I like to also ask either the cooperative or the supplier is, who else is using this contract of similar size to my organization? And once they provide that information, I can simply pick up the phone and call my peers in procurement or those customer departments and say, hey, how's this working out for you? Did they keep all of their promises? Is the pricing what they outlined? So you can do quick double checks and save yourself that long solicitation process. And that makes me think of, we'll just stick with facilities or even IT. And there's a blurring line. We talked about this, Tammy, the blurring lines between IT and facilities. It's it's hard to see anything not you know, with digital or with wires or, or something attached to it. But if I'm in facilities and I have a big project I've got to get done, why would I even care about procurement or using a cooperative? That's not really my wheelhouse. It's someone else's. Why should I care? Well, actually, it's the fastest contract growth under cooperatives right now are things like repaving, 
re-roofing or repairing leaking roofs, any kind of small repairs, street lights, sidewalks, anything like that. The cooperative world has grown exponentially in their contract choices, particularly in the ways of installation services or small repairs and construction. So let me give you a couple of quick examples. Let's say you want to buy security cameras and a lot of schools and higher ed are putting more and more security cameras. Well, that's in a complex purchase. While you're buying the cameras, you also have to buy computer systems, wiring. You have to have someone who's familiar with the software. So many of these companies are starting to bundle security cameras with all those other services to make that installation successful. Another example is HVAC, particularly with the quality concerns of air. Uh, with COVID passing, a lot of folks suddenly learned a whole bunch about their HVAC units and what kind of standards and filters they should have. Well, that consultative services can come through a cooperative contract. So not only do you buy the HVAC unit, you get consulting services and someone who can actually produce reports for your management teams of the air quality standards. So it, the world has it's gotten more complicated. So have the cooperative contract offerings to be more comprehensive. Thinking of COVID and the things that we learned, when I think about the new systems that people put in, both for security, physical, monitoring, facial recognition, and then even with indoor air quality, it was really the iceberg. People came in and said, yes, we have cameras. But what they didn't realize is there was so much below the surface that they didn't understand about maybe a cloud and storing it. And then there's chain of custody issues with people's identity. And it's just the iceberg effect. It's not just a camera. There's so many other layers. And when you work with a company that you don't really have a partnership with, or quite frankly, if you go direct and you don't necessarily use a cooperative contract, you sometimes don't get the rest of the full picture where they want to come in and do a really good job and understand what you're trying to achieve and not just sell you a few products. And that, in my opinion, like you said, through COVID and the things that we've seen have really proven that a deeper partnership goes a longer way than just the cheapest price. And I think that's becoming more common. Best value contracts uh, are really taking the way of low bid contracts. Actually, that relationship where it used to be very structured with procurement on one side of the table, the supplier on the other, and there is a line between the two of us. That's sort of blending, particularly as you get into more complicated procurements or you're trying to address something maybe you've never done before. A lot of people are bringing in electric vehicles. Well, that's all new to them. And they actually need those consulting services to understand the industry. While we in government know a little bit about a lot of stuff, these suppliers, they know their industry inside and out. So we're moving from a transactional relationship to one more of a partnership, which you just mentioned. Yeah. And those are some of the misconceptions, right? When people say that they don't want to use someone else's contract, that maybe they think they can get a better price or they can do their own stronger contract. That, that may be possible, right? Sure. That may be the case. However, uh, the chances are that there's really good contracts out there, like we talked about earlier, that have been vetted by hundreds of other universities or schools or cities, counties, whatever, nonprofits that have looked at that same contract. Uh, what are some other misconceptions about cooperatives and why maybe people don't use them more often than they currently do? 
A lot of it is lack of education. So hopefully podcasts like these will help educate folks on their ability to do this. And we've all heard, if it sounds too good to be true, it must be. Well, sometimes that's applied to the cooperative world. And really, it's a good thing. You can call your peers and double check. You can also conduct your own due diligence by looking at all the documents, the original RFP, the evaluation, the contract, the terms and conditions, the pricing. You can see all of that and do your own review to ensure that it makes sure that it meets your own policy guidelines. But again, when people say I can get better pricing, I often kind of think, have you really factored in your time into the pricing? So for you to issue a bid or RFP, there's a lot of hard and soft costs related to that. All of your time, anybody else related on your team, your customer department, maybe you have to have your legal counsel review it. Then you might have to take it before your board. All of that is time and cost. So if that's costing you thousands of dollars before you even get that contract awarded, please start considering that as well as part of your cost and not just the ultimate pricing of the widget that you're purchasing. I think it comes down to relationships is is kind of what we're driving toward. A relationship with a cooperative, but also with partners out there that know what you want to get done on campus. Some of the large concerns or goals that campuses have today are a few, right? Sustainability is one that's very, very large, especially with student populations. They want to make sure that the products are sustainable, they're recycled efficiently, that their air and water and all the quality around them is, is very high. Some others are diversity, making sure that the dollars that are spent around the campus are representative of the local businesses that are around them. And partnering with a cooperative and some of these companies can help you meet your higher objectives. They can help you meet the objectives of the campus by looking at holistic solutions versus buying a specific widget. And that's really where we see some exponential growth there is partnering for not just the activity that you need to complete right there, but really to fulfill the larger initiatives you have on campus. It's a great exercise to have in your next meeting with that supplier. Tell them about your goals, your sustainability goals, your subcontracting goals, because many of these companies have specific expertise in that area or they've been creating solutions for other entities to meet those entities' goals. So for instance, in my city, when I was sitting in that chair, they passed a goal of 25% of everything that we purchase should either be from recycled materials or have the ability to be recycled. Well, as soon as that was passed, I was immediately put in a bind because it's how am I going to meet this 25% goal? Well, I started meeting with some of my key suppliers and say, how could you help me? And in one circumstance, my office supplier, who I actually brought on board through a cooperative contract, said, Tammy, it's easy. We can take our catalog. And when somebody does a search, let's say for tape or paper, we will automatically put the items that are the most sustainable at the top of the search. So as your customer number departments are buying, we're sort of driving them to more toward the sustainable products. So this was a key example of where I all I did was talk to my supplier about my issue and they helped with a solution right away. So that's part of that relationship building as well. Yeah, it's, it's developing that partnership. See, it's so successful. When you see it done well and you see it right, it's like obvious. It's like, yeah, that works. They're, they're truly working together as a partnership. Companies obviously want to sell their goods and services, and you know our members, uh, schools, universities need to buy that. But there really can be a win-win 
And one of the other best practices that I've seen is having multiple layers of suppliers on deck with the supply chain, with inflation, and, and all of these things that we've been faced with. There are a lot of companies that maybe were, were rock solid, but now are having a hard time finding product with a lead time is several weeks or months. I've heard in some products years, especially with like large rooftop HVAC units, they're looking at 18 month lead times, or at least they were. So if you have a few other companies that are on deck or you're building relationships with, you can still deliver a better product to your students and to your communities by establishing deeper relationships. Because I'll hear that. Well, we, we've had a longstanding relationship with, you know, with Joe's Plumbing and that's awesome. Keep Joe's Plumbing and keep going. But if for some reason he can't get the product or the supply chain pinches, you don't want to be scrambling to set up new relationships and find where that is when you already have some of those set up in advance. Right. And it's kind of a balancing act too. In my case at my city, when we had the horrendous fires break out, the Witch Creek fires come, you know, I did have some local suppliers, small mom and pop businesses who served the city of San Diego. But unfortunately, during those fires, they were impacted and many of them had to close their businesses temporarily, or they were taking care of their own homes that were under peril. So I had to reach out to bigger box companies who could bring in resources from outside areas. And so there was a combination of effort. So I totally agreed. Never have all your eggs in one basket. Kind of spread it out and have multiple resources that you can go to. I did want to point out another benefit of working with cooperatives. So, and this is something we don't like to talk about, but I'm going to put it out there. What if you're having an issue with a supplier? It could be through your cooperative contract and, and things just aren't working well, or you're just not meshing with the local rep too well. Well, you have a cooperative who's also on your side. So you've worked, tried working with a company or at least the local rep. You can call the cooperative and saying, look, things aren't working well. Can you help? Those cooperatives are often working with the presidents and vice presidents of those companies way over the head of that local rep, and they can quickly bring resolution to the problem because the co-ops want this to be successful. The company wants this to be successful. So you have more people in your back pocket to call upon if there's a problem. And we see that we'll have some small school call us and say they need resolution with the company. They might be doing dozens of millions of dollars through that cooperative, and they don't want to lose that contract nationally because they're having an issue locally. So you do truly get that national benefit. Even though you might be a small school, you don't have a lot of spend, you still can really get what you need to get as a result of using the cooperative as your backbone. Yeah, I, that's a great shout out. I, I I see that every day in what I do. I'll, I'll get calls from from people over the country and, and there's small things, right? Little hiccups on delivery or whatever, right. but they just want that extra support. And it might be even looking at contract terms. Uh, I was charged freight, but I thought we had a you know prepaid freight agreement. So we'll help them uh, the local team understand what it is that they have to do to be contract compliant. Right. Th th there are so many other values that you get to benefit from as a result of using a cooperative contract. And that kind of leads me to another trend, Tammy, that's out there where we're seeing people say, okay, I, I get it. I want to use a cooperative. There's a few out there. I'm just going to get bids and bid out all the cooperatives. I've seen that. And I don't know that it's a net benefit because all the programs are relatively similar and it's, you're duplicating the efforts. It's You're doing a bid for a bid. Right. What are your thoughts on that? We'll have to end right there with part one of the podcast with Timmy Rhymes. In episode two, we're going to talk about this and how to choose and differentiate the cooperatives and find the best one for your institution. 
Please join us for part two of the conversation with Tammy Rhymes, where we will discuss this and a whole lot more.